The Indian real estate market didn't really pick up until after the uh, the liberalization in the 90s. Indians always purchased a home after retirement. Mumbai is obviously by far the most expensive city in the country to buy real estate. Yeah, Mumbai has always been expensive. Okay, so there's really no hope for rents and property prices in Mumbai to come down. Mainland uh, will get connected to the Trans Harbour link, mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. Welcome to the eighth episode of the Indian Market Story. Uh, we're really pleased to have you join us today. We have a fantastic guest, Keo Shah, who's a veteran real estate investor and who's going to be sharing um, his knowledge and experience of investing in the Indian real estate market for over 18 years. Um, and we're hoping that, you know, we're able to, to learn some new things and get some really unique insight into the real estate market. Thank you so much for coming on the, the podcast. Yeah, Thanks, Walter. Really, uh, really appreciate you taking I'm there, yeah. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Um, and we're very, very excited to learn more about the Indian real estate market. It's, uh, it's something that's really important to the Indian market story overall. And we're very privileged to have an expert like yourself uh, teach us about it. So do you want to sort of talk a little bit to the viewers about what your background in the real estate market sure. is? So uh, I'm a chapter accountant. I started off my career uh, in a consulting firm for over a decade. And then last 18 years, I have been with a private equity firm focused on real estate. In, uh, just in a nutshell, that's my background. So I've invested across all segments of real estate and uh, have been doing that uh, over the last uh, 18 odd years, uh, primarily in India. That's my background for work. Nice. Nice. So you've got a really in-depth, uh, you know, long, long history with the Indian real estate market and really in-depth view. Of yes, uh, yes. But uh, market's dynamic. So uh, I don't claim to be an expert. I am a student <laughs> and always remain one. But yeah, it's learning and it's exciting times. And well, which was even more exciting, I feel. Of course. So why don't we start out with uh, with a little bit of the past to understand where we're going. And um, so a little bit of what I understood from from my research is that the Indian real estate market didn't really pick up until after the uh, the liberalization in the 90s. And what I'd love to understand is, is why was that the case and what was the real uh, driver for growth and, and what is going to continue being the, being the driver for growth of the real estate market? Sure. So see, historically, if you see, uh, Indians always purchased a home after retirement because there were not enough avenues for financing available for consumers. HDFC, which is India's premier and even today the largest housing finance company, was set up in 1977. So post that, home loans became available uh, for consumers and that's how people could purchase a a home. Uh, Earlier, people would purchase a home only post-retirement, you use their provident fund or retirement proceeds, take money from uh, friends and family and buy a house. Mm -hmm. Over time, Many more players entered the financing space, banks, NBFCs, etc. And with the availability of financing, uh, you know, uh, real estate also improved, especially from a residential perspective. That's number one. Number two, uh, over time, with income levels going up, the average age of the first-time homeowner also started going down. Mm-hmm. So initially, if you say 70s, the people who average age of the home buyer would be 50s mm-hmm. but today it would be in the late 20s or early 30s mm-hmm. so that also has evolved over time 
Yeah. So yes, the market has evolved, and basically, it's the availability of financing, both for the consumer who wants to buy a home, as well as the developer who wants to construct. Mm-hmm. With the more and more uh, access to financing, the market will grow and continue. Yeah. So it's been a growth in the demand as well as the supply. Is what, if I understand what you're saying, um, correctly, right? What well, demand was always there. But because there was no supply of financing, mm-hmm. the supply of real estate was slow. Mm-hmm. And because of which, the prices were high. Yeah. And uh, because prices were high, affordability was not there. Yeah. Over time, with income levels going up, with financing available at both ends for developers as well as for uh, home buyers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the supply increase. And with supply uh, increasing, the prices you know, uh, kind of are more affordable. Mm-hmm. It's typically for home buyers, look at the cost to income ratio. Mm-hmm. Cost of a home of uh, versus the annual household income. That ratio, when it comes down, means it's more affordable. Of course, it's, that's what it is. But I mean, I presume that's the story with like residential real estate. Commercial real estate, I, I would imagine it's seen a similar sort of boom because of, you know, the growing incomes, growing expenditures. Um, I mean, is my is my assumption on that correct? So, see, commercial real estate, if you see, uh, as an asset class, was only with the HNIs initially. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the liberalization, a lot of the multinationals came into India. And then we started seeing multinationals occupying real estate. And we are seeing the separation of ownership and use. Mm-hmm. Earlier, people... Uh, would buy commercial uh, for their self-use. Mm-hmm. But over time, post, uh, you know, liberalization, we're seeing more and more institutional investors into real estate uh, who want to hold the real estate for owning the rental yield, but they rent it out or lease it out to uh, commercial uh, occupiers for their office space. Okay. That's how commercial has evolved over time. And today we even have uh, REITs, which is, uh, you know, real estate investment trusts which uh, own office space and they rent it out to Indian and multinational companies. And the REITs uh, get uh, rents, which in turn are distributed to the investors. So that's also here is a class which has developed over the last couple of years. But a fundamental, I guess, a a fundamental question from an amateur's perspective. So what I understand about real estate is there's two sources of return. One is your, you know, your rental income, your cash flows, and the other is your capital appreciation. is, I mean, how important are, I guess, both or either of those cash flows and, and what's more critical uh, to generating returns on real estate investments? Is that, I mean, and is it the same with residential and commercial? Is that, that's yeah, that's a very special one. Actually, uh, if I talk about rental yields, they're very different for residential and commercial. The rental yields for commercial uh, would be anything, it's linked to the interest rates mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, risk weightage uh, you attach. So it could be anything from 9 to 11% would be the rental yield for commercial uh, real estate, depending on the property, the location, the quality of the uh, commercial uh, office space. Whereas for residential, generally the yields historically have been very low in India, mm-hmm. and they would range anything from 2% to 35 4%. Mm-hmm. So the uh, rental yield for residential have always been low because it was always a market for actual users mm-hmm. and the investors who invested in uh, residential real estate were doing it more from a capital appreciation perspective. Got it. Because two and a half to four percent uh, rental yield on residential is not even the prevalent uh, 
interest rate, yeah. the, so yeah. you know, the, uh, from a return perspective, one would want capital appreciation rather than only renting. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the case, I guess, from my own uh, understanding. It's not necessarily the case with the rest of the world. Like, for example, the UK, rental yields are a, are a huge component of the, the return on on a, a real estate investment, particularly residential real estate. I mean, why is this dichotomy between India and the rest of the world? India always has had low residential yield. And because the yields are low, it becomes commercially unviable to develop residential real estate for renting. Because if your cost of capital is anything in double digits or more, you know, uh, low to high double digits, uh, why would you, uh, you know, incur a cost, uh, you know, whatever your cost of capital is, 10% or 20% or whatever it may be, why would you incur a capital cost uh, and then get a rental yield of 25 to 4%? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. So it doesn't make sense. And therefore, the rental market for residential has not developed and it will take some time or it's unlikely to develop in the foreseeable future unless the rents work substantially and the cost of funds come down only when there's a positive uh, you know repeat or carry that's when you know people will look at rental uh, for residential to, as an investment property otherwise it's always for capital appreciation God. or self-use sure but I mean maybe uh, another question now, for example, Mumbai, where we where we live, um, that there seems to be a much more active rental market here, uh, at least in this city than than other cities, from what I understand. Um, do you see this this market for rental residential use growing in the near future, maybe in tier one cities, or is this a Mumbai only phenomenon? Oh, yes. See, re- residential uh, rentals happen across the country. So even if you go to Bangalore or Pune, there is a large stock of residential real estate, which is uh, you know available for rent. Uh, OVC is there no institutional residential uh, you know uh, lenders, or maybe lenders is not the right word. More institutional lessors mm-hmm. because the rental yield is low. So there are individual owners who may want to rent out their uh, residential properties mm-hmm. and uh, this is because the rental yields are low and it is across the country you get uh, 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 residential property on rent across the country it's not a phenomenon in Mumbai also and over time the rents appreciate due to demand and supply yeah so it's not uh, linked to Mumbai alone it's only for India you get uh, residential properties on rent yeah so I guess maybe uh, another another interesting artifact that I'd love to understand more about Mumbai is obviously by far the most expensive city in the country to buy real estate. Um, what's, I guess, what are the key markets, what's driving the sort of regional difference? Uh, and, and do you see the, there being some sort of an equalization or um, maybe let's talk about, you know, the regional differences in real estate across the country. You see, Mumbai has always been expensive. And if you compare it globally, New York is more expensive than other U.S. cities. London is more expensive, you know, so, so on and so forth. That's because it's a financial capital. That's one of the reasons. Second is also, if you see the topography, it's an island city. Mm-hmm. So it's not possible to grow uh, Mumbai. Uh, but with the infrastructure development, uh, you know, mainland uh, will get connected to the Trans Harbor Link, mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. So with that, there will be more supply. And to that extent, prices may not 
appreciate or may not be that unaffordable with more supply coming in. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you see rest of the uh, cities like NCR, Bangalore, Pune, they are not constrained by uh, you know sure. being an island yeah. city or those kind of constraints. So the basic that extent the supply has always been more. So that's primarily the reason for the difference for Mumbai being more expensive than other cities. Okay, so there's really no hope for rents in property price in Mumbai to come down anytime in the near future then, is it? I think it's not about coming down, it's more about the affordability. Mm-hmm. And to that extent, Mumbai has become uh, more affordable over time because the interest rates were low and the property prices had not uh, gone up as compared to the income levels which were going up. Mm-hmm. And to that extent, affordability in Mumbai has improved over time. Yes, of course, but compared to other metro cities, it is more expensive because of the geographical reason which I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So I guess moving away from what, what the present situation is, you know, the past situation has been like, where do you see Indian real estate going for the next 10 years, 15 years? What's, I mean, what's going to drive, uh, you know, the major market movements and, and what are the big trends to look out for? So I think I see a very bright future for Indian real estate because uh, with income levels going up, growing urbanization, I mean, I expect by within the next 10 to 15 years, almost 50% of India will be living in uh, urban locations. So the smart cities and the growth of the cities is going to be phenomenal. And with the rapid growth in urbanization, there will be demand for housing in all the major cities of India. If that's going to be one key driver. Mm-hmm. Second thing is with income levels going up, people always aspire to have bigger or better homes. So, uh, and also there are a large number of first-time home buyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see a lot of the graduates who are joining the IT or the tech sector, mm-hmm. uh, they want to uh, buy a home once you know they settle down and they want to kind of start a family, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the demand for housing has been and will remain strong. For other uh, classes of real estate, whether you see commercial, within commercial, if you get retail or office space, I see good demand for that also because it is, the Indian economy is one of the fastest growing economies in the world. Mm-hmm. And with that, you will need more office space. There are more uh, multinationals uh, setting up uh, offices in India. Uh, yesterday you read that Apple is setting up uh, one more plant uh, in India and you know so with more and more uh, companies expanding their operations in India there will be demand for commercial space also so there's a good potential for commercial also similarly uh, with these two asset class you will need shopping yeah. and retail also will grow so in that sense uh, real estate is very closely linked to the economy mm-hmm. and uh, even if the expected rate of growth is slower than uh, what people expect of 6-7% growth rate is still expected and with that real estate will continue to grow and all uh, segments of real estate will see growth. So I see good potential for real estate in the next decade uh, or maybe more than that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with your assessment, you know. Ultimately, everyone wants a bigger and bigger house, a bigger and nicer office, uh, more shopping space. So I, I can't see the demand going down. But um, another interesting trend that I guess we see in the economy that I want to know if it's uh, if it's true for real estate as well. A lot of growth in tier one cities is it's already happened. You know we've reached where we've reached, but a lot of the the additional growth that we expect to come from India, we expect to see from tier two and tier three cities, particularly income growth in those cities. The uh, 
the corporatization of those cities as well. Um, so is there is I mean, what's the difference in the in the market dynamics for say tier one cities or tier two, tier three cities, and um, how pertinent is that? So I think both are growing. Tier one cities also are growing, and tier two cities are also growing. It all depends on the commercial activity which is prevalent, which will see the growth. Mm -hmm. So I mean, uh, I would say it's not the top six or top seven cities of India which are growing. There are top twenty or top thirty cities of India which are growing. Yes. The size and the volume would vary depending on the you know commercial activity prevalent. Uh, that's what I would uh, see. And uh, I mean, uh, I uh, think uh, the commercial development is a key to the growth of the city. Mm -hmm. More factories or more offices, uh, you know, in that sense. So that's what's going to drive the growth. No, fair enough. Um, I guess to maybe go to a different side of this equation, right? So the market, you know, the demand is expected to grow. Uh, and there's obviously a number of uh, key players in the real estate market that are, that are attempting to offer supply. But, uh, you know, the, the big elephant in the room is the government and how they move in and how they impact the real estate market. And, um, you know, I'll sort of list out a couple of really key pieces of regulation or, or government moves. And I'd love to sort of get your thoughts on them. Um, obviously, RERA or uh, Real Estate Regulation and Development Act, um, and maybe even demonetization. Um, are, are there any sort of government measures that can help or hurt the real estate market? Are there any government measures that have helped or hurt the real estate market? Um, how, how can the government support this growth? So I think government has doing a lot to support the sector because it's one of the real estate is the largest employer after agriculture so and it supports so many industries uh, because in building a building or constructing a building there are so many various materials and supplies which come in so it generates a lot of employment so government has been extremely supportive and uh, housing for all is one of the policies of the government which is uh, you know kind of uh, giving a lot of impetus and support to the sector one of the regulations which the government introduced, as you pointed out, is RERA, Real Estate Regulatory Act. Because the largest purchase which a consumer makes in his lifetime is purchase of a home. And RERA seeks to protect the rights of the consumer. So it's a very good regulation. And it kind of ensures that uh, the consumer does not lose out in a purchase of a home or purchase of a real estate asset. So the government has doing its bit uh, to kind of support the sector too. And I think it will continue to do so mm -hmm. uh, because it creates uh, so much employment and also it leads to overall growth of the economy mm -hmm. because, you know, it has a multiplier effect. Of course, of course. I think, uh, you know, one thing that I always find very interesting is a lot of China's growth over the last 10, 15 years has been driven by the, by the construction sector. You have these, uh, I think, Evergrande Group and several others that that had uh, you know a lot of access to government officials but also a lot of government funds that drove that growth in the chinese economy so uh, so what, i i am not an expert on chinese economy but i know that a lot of uh, financing in real estate was through government's uh, funding in china which is not the case in india mm -hmm. which i believe is more healthy because it's more market driven mm -hmm. and the actual uh, you know uh, investors who are taking uh, up real estate decisions based on commercial evaluation of uh, the underlying real estate and is not linked to uh, you know pure government uh, initiatives. 
So to that extent, it is more market driven, which is a good thing. Yeah, uh, from a you know economic standpoint. Yeah, even from a capital market standpoint, you don't want to have that whole boom bust cycle that China had, you know, because if if the market's making decisions, it's uh, the hope is that it doesn't make terrible decisions. See, uh, it's difficult to predict uh, predict the market. Yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, uh, markets always are subject to cycles, so we can't say what's going to happen in the future. But generally, uh, the real estate sector looks uh, fairly stable yeah. and I think it will remain irrespective of what happens uh, you know uh, globally because the sector has kind of performed well and I believe it will continue to perform well. So if if I'm a retail investor um, what's the best way for me to get exposure to real estate? Obviously you know buying a home buying some real estate is a really large purchase and maybe there's more emotion than a commercial consideration but if I'm trying to account for some real estate in my investment portfolio what are the best ways to do it? So for an investor who wants to get an exposure to uh, real estate, as you rightly put it, buying a home is a, buying a, a, a residential property is a fairly expensive proposition. Uh, and one would look at it uh, from an investment standpoint, provided there is capital appreciation, because as I mentioned earlier, rental yields are low. So that's one aspect one needs to consider. Uh, also, there are other financial products which are available. There are a lot of mutual funds which give exposure to the real estate sector, either in terms of real estate companies or companies which are ancillary to real estate, which, which could be cement or steel or uh, sanitary ware, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Uh, another option available for investors is to invest in real estate investment trusts. Mm -hmm. These trusts uh, invest in offices or retail space so on and so forth. And they are a kind of a proxy to investing in commercial real estate mm -hmm. through the uh, REIT you. Yeah. So these REITs own office space, they collect a rent, and they do quarterly payout. So these are some of the options available for individual investors to get an exposure to real estate. So I was looking at REITs actually quite closely and very interesting that uh, India seems to only have three or four REITs. But if you look at, say, the US or the UK or Europe, they have dozens and dozens and they have, you know, different types of REITs. They have, they have residential REITs, they have, you know, a, a whole variety of REIT-based products. Um, any, any, you know, why, does, why are more real estate developers not interested in going on the REIT route? Yeah, I think uh, REIT is a fairly recent regulation. It has come in the last uh, two or three years only. And uh, I think it's quite... Uh, uh, commendable that in such a short span we already have three REITs okay. uh, and there are a couple more which are in the pipeline. So I think it's over time US probably had the REIT regulation for decades mm -hmm. and for India it has been in existence only for two or three years. Mm -hmm. So uh, even for once a REIT is uh, the regulations are in place it takes time for it to kind of be implemented. So I think we've moved very fast mm -hmm. but over time it will kind of grow very rapidly and there will be more REITs in India too, as you see in other uh, developed markets. Of course, yeah, no, that, uh, that's the hope, right? Yeah. Now, uh, one wild card question that uh, comes to my mind. You've been investing in real estate for about 18 years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, any interesting stories, any, you know, great anecdotes? Uh, maybe what was the best investment you ever made in the real estate space? So something that surprised you? So, I mean, basically what uh, what really uh, surprised me, we invested in a commercial real estate and uh, uh, the rents were what they were. 
but with the growth of the economy uh, and with the reduction of interest rates the rents went up uh, rapidly and also with the reduction of uh, interest rates the cap rates went down so the rents moving up and cap rates moving down we made a very good return on the investment so i mean uh, some of the kind of uh, learnings are is that when the economy is uh, growing and you've invested in a good asset uh, with a good partner you will make uh, good money so i mean i mean uh, so that's one of the takeaways uh, from a re- being a real estate investor yeah what does a good real estate asset look like out of curiosity i mean a good a good quality construction a good location uh, right specifications that's what i would look at as a good real estate uh, asset but again uh, it varies you know you're looking at residential or looking at commercial so on and so forth uh again going back to my previous comment uh if one doesn't want to get into too many complexities one can look at investing into the financial product space which has a mutual funds or the reits yeah all right well um anything else that you'd like for retail investors to know about the real estate market to maybe encourage them to to get into that or maybe create some excitement around it no i think the indian consumer is fairly uh, knowledgeable and indians uh, have uh, understood and benefited from investing in the real estate sector so i don't think uh, there's anything i could add further to that but the market is kind of growing and uh, there are more uh, uh, regulatory uh, you know kind of uh, checks and balances in place which protects the consumer so to that extent that uh, augurs well for the consumer or the investor which i think is very good because only when your rights are protected you kind of feel comfort and when you have comfort you will invest yeah. so i think uh, the right ingredients are there for the uh, consumers to kind of uh, invest in uh, real estate and i think it will continue to grow as a sector all right well you know one thing i've definitely learned from you through this podcast is that the indian real estate sector has a really bright future and uh, you know on my side at least i'm certainly going to consider investing in reits or real estate mutual funds or something of that sort because um you know it's it's i don't know must but please consult your financial advisor <laughs> <laughs> of course of course and um no thank you so much for coming on the podcast really yeah, yeah, yeah good talking to you yeah i really appreciate all the knowledge and uh, and information you've shared with us today a black pleasure thank you yeah, yeah all right